Welcome to Survivor Analytics, the show that lifts you up much like Brandon lifts Sabaya up on this episode as her ladder. My name is Clyde. I'm the true expert. and I'm here with Jack. He's the voice of the people. Jack, how's it going? What's up, party people? I'm over here wearing my Lulu Losers shorts, my Lulu Losers top, and I'm ready to uh, get on all fours and lift up our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> well, looking at this episode, we were pretty accurate in our predictions last week. We both thought Lulu would lose the challenge again, which happened. We were wrong yeah. in who got voted out. We both said Emily, right? That was a realistic expectation because who could have seen the twist that production would go in her favor after turning her into the most hated woman in America for a week? Oh, for sure for a week. I made a video on TikTok about Emily and how I thought she was originally going to be the first boot of the season. And after the premiere, the comments on that TikTok are brutal. She is not well received by many of the fans. I mean, I'll say this. Uh, shout out to the TikTok if this ever makes it to the TikTok uh, or whatever. I'm going to be really curious to see how those same people feel now because I feel the same way. It did. This episode did not change my mind about her in the slightest. If anything, I was almost more turned against her by how generous the edit turned on a dime. It's a really odd dynamic of the episode, but before we hop into the actual tribal dynamics, we are discussing episode two of Survivor 45 for anyone that's tuning into the podcast a little bit later. Yeah. This episode opens with a theme song, which we have not seen in the entire new era. I think it's been around four years since uh, they played that classic music at the beginning. How did you feel watching all of the contestants with their names going across the screen? I'll say this, coming straight from Survivor China, I felt totally neutral about it. I like the theme song. I like it a lot. But because I'm the voice of the people, and this is only my fourth season of the show, I did not miss it because I just didn't have the experience to miss it. How did you feel, I think, is more important? I missed it. It's been a long time since I've seen it. For me, the theme song is an integral component of Survivor. It's up there with Tribal Council, with The Tribe Has Spoken. Like, a pure Survivor episode needs to include the theme song because it's not just introducing you to the show, but it's letting you know who these people are. And if you're someone that's new and maybe turning on the TV at episode seven of the season, yeah, it's nice to have that baseline information. I mean, that's totally fair because... Even in the age of streaming, if you just pick up a random episode or you jump into a season that somebody like in your household is watching, how would you know, right, who these people are, what the tribes are, whatever, just from their confessionals, I guess, and their name showing up on the confessional screen? And that's it. It can be difficult when players are talking about alliances and who is working with who. And yeah. If you don't even know their names, there's no way you're going to keep up with the strategy of the show. Oh, I mean, I'm taking notes on it all and I have a hard time. So, <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine if you're coming in fresh, but I got a quick question for you on the theme. Hit me. Should the production team have included Hannah in it? Would it have been rude if they cut her from the intro entirely, given that she quit and she wasn't even a part of this episode? I am of the opinion that once you are off the show, 
you should be removed from the edit. Entirely. What if you're on the jury? Oh, what? That's a that's a fair point because you're still kind of on the show at that point. So if you are voted off pre-jury, take you out completely. It's like you never existed. <laughs> Back in China, I don't want to see chicken a month into the show. I love seeing chicken a month into the show. Or you differentiate it in some way. Make the voted out people's sections in black and white or something. Make it look like an in memoriam. Have some delineation. If you're one of these newcomers, you're not going, hey, wait a minute, where's Hannah? Yeah, that's fair. I kind of like having the whole cast there. It's a way for Hannah and now Brandon moving forward to still feel a part of the show in some way. I have a lot of thoughts on Brandon in this episode because I am devastated with his performance since he was my second round draft pick. Yeah. Uh, So should we jump in? Yeah, let's jump in. What tribe do you want to start with? So I the way I think we we have this kind of grouped up is each tribe before Party Rock Island and then we can get into everything after. I think we start with Bello just cuz it's the quickest. Um it's basically just Jake O'Kane and Bruce starting to become friends. They're becoming buddies. Jake describes Bruce as someone that reminds him of his friends from Boston. Bruce's personality in this episode goes to another level. I thought he was your stereotypical stern paternal figure of the season, but he's got a goofy side. (laughs) He's the fun uncle. I don't know if I fully buy it though. It's weird because last episode, everybody in confessional was saying that Bruce claims he's the fun uncle, but in reality, he's the father. Right. But now it seems like everyone's bought in to this persona. Except Katura. Katura is the one person and she not only does not buy in to Bruce's image, I don't think she likes him at all. She calls Bruce her nemesis in confessional. Which is so wild because all he's done to offend her is be goofy. Like, he's not (laughs) strategizing against her. I mean, they're on Bello. There's no bad vibes in Bello. It's the the tribe of vibes. Uh, It's the tribe of um, astrology and crystals and all of that. Um... I will say, I think Reba appears as a more cohesive unit than Bello. Yes, but if only because there's already such clear machinations in Bello of Jake and Bruce, and then the ladies, and then we've got Brando playing uh, between those two groups, where Reba, it feels like all of those alliances are in a much more preliminary stage because they all know that Sifu will go first. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, we'll talk about Sifu later. One of my favorite moments from the Bruce segment is when he starts name-dropping contestants from 44. Do you remember who he name-drops? He name-drops Kane. (laughs) Why Kane out of anybody? (laughs) Because he's right there with Jake O'Kane, the second Kane who likes D&D, and he wants to uh, get along with him. Here's what I want to ask, because we, there is a confessional from Bruce where he talks about how this is part of his plan. I want to believe that him being over-the-top goofy and being such a character is a tactic. But the name-dropping can't serve a purpose, right? I don't see that as a tactical advantage. So do you think that part of it is intentional, or do you think when he says, oh, this is part of my game... Uh, that's kind of um, trying to justify his behavior almost. (laughs) 
I think Bruce is a genuinely goofy guy, which probably plays to his advantage given his archetype. The name dropping is egregious, though, because Bruce opened the season saying, I am technically a first-time player. Yes, I was on 44, but you should treat me like one of your own. And that's totally fine. That's the move he should make. But you can't follow that up with name-dropping the contestants from your season because then that makes him appear like a returnee. Yeah, it's like saying, I am a vegetarian. I'm playing this game as a vegetarian. But, oh, yeah, I love burgers, dude. <laughs> like, it, it is such an about-face that Emily would be having a field day with. I don't think anybody on Bello cares too awful much, aside from, like, the ego of it. But it is definitely an inconsistency, and I think it will hurt him down the line. Another complaint I have with him name-dropping Kane is that he was never with Kane on that season. He could have name-dropped Jam Jam, the winner of the season, to really impress everybody since they were on the same tribe for like 12 hours. I don't know when Bruce met Kane. It was probably after the show because I think when you're voted out pre-merge, you are separated from the contestants that are voted out post-merge. So if Bruce met Kane, it would not have been during his time on Survivor. It would have been post-show. Could it have been in the media pre game stuff when they're on the island doing their interviews they would see each other but they're not allowed to talk to each other during that time oh yeah i mean so maybe it was just a social media thing later on yeah i wish he name dropped carolyn too that would have been a great moment uh for you on the episode let's move on to reba <laughs> wait can oh, i uh, can we do one more alliance yeah, thing yeah, yeah. on bello so you hit on this earlier where there's two alliances forming in this tribe you have uh, Bruce and Jake, the goofy guys on one side. Then you have Katura and Kendra on the other. And Brando and Kelly are the ones playing the middle between these two sides. Oh, I forgot about Kelly. Yeah, Kelly's also in that, in that swing position. Yeah. Where do you think they side? Do you think they go with the Virgo girlies or the goofy guys? I mean, I don't think they have to worry about it right now. I don't think they have to worry for another week. So... I think that all of this is early days, yet my instinct is Brando goes Jake and Bruce. I mean, if you're just going to draw a line by gender at the Virgo girlies, even though Brando gets along well with them, he is on the outside of that group, right? When they determined that they were the Virgo girlies, unfortunately, Brando is not a Virgo girly. Yeah, neither a Virgo nor a girly. Exactly. He's 0 for 2 on qualifications. <laughs> and so he's going to be one of the first ones out where down the line, he's got an argument to take out Bruce or Jake because Katara doesn't like Jake or Bruce. Katara is really the nemesis of that alliance. Uh, I don't think she dislikes Jake, but she doesn't like how he's playing uh, with the whole attorney thing. And I think Brando can go further with Bruce and Jake and then flip on them when need be. I think they're going to side with the Virgo girlies. They had Both that scene this episode of Brando putting the buff on like a top. That was so funny because I have a buff. That's tight, dude. I like it does not look comfortable. <laughs> no, it, it literally looks like like a chest binding that would give you breathing problems. It looks painful. <laughs> 
But I think the edit shows us certain social scenes for a reason. And I think yeah. that's a sign that he's going to side with the Virgo girlies. And then the question becomes, do they vote out Jake or do they vote out Bruce? Uh, Jake is my winner pick, so I would prefer if they voted out Bruce. Yeah. But I have a feeling it might be Jake. I, I don't think Jake would be in a great spot there. I think it'll come down to personality and contribution because right now, I think Katara would say Bruce, where the previous week, I think Katara would have said Jake. Well, I think Kendra was the one leading the Jake elimination. She's the first person to throw his name out. So there might be a disagreement there between uh, Katara and Kendra. But I don't know if Katara, and this might sound kind of mean, I don't know if Katara actually respects Bruce as a player. I think she is annoyed by him on a personal level. Yeah. I don't think she perceives him as someone that is an immediate threat that they need to vote out now, whereas Jake might present a larger strategic threat in the short term. Which I think is Bruce's strategy in being goofy, is to throw off the threat radar. We'll come back to this in a month when they finally go to tribal council. Yeah, (laughs) for real. It's going to be Thanksgiving, like or at least (laughs) Halloween. Uh, So do you want to go to Reba? Yeah, let's head to Reba. There's only one thing to talk about. Oh, I have two things from this trial. No, so what's the first one for you? It's just Sifu punching a tree. <laughs> That's it for me. Uh, this dude is so intent on being a character that he's just punching trees and smashing shit to show off. It's very odd. I don't think Sifu gets much screen time this episode. The only time we see him is when he has physical altercations with nature. Um, yeah. Other than that, he's kind of just hanging out in the background. One big thing that happens at the Reba tribe this episode is the beware advantage. We get some advancements where Jemaya actually identifies the sign at camp as a potential clue to the idol. And she's attempting to read it. And as she's doing this, the survivor editing team puts a ton of like numbers and letters over her. Did you notice that? I missed that completely. They did like the hangover thing. Oh, they do that in the hangover. I was thinking a beautiful mind. Well, oh, well, you know that movie. It, I think The Hangover is parroting a beautiful mind, so that really shows where my <laughs> priorities are. But that's so funny. I totally miss that. They do it a bit as a meme, though. It seems like they're not trying to present J. Maya as this strong player for correctly identifying the sign. It seems like they're almost making fun of her in that moment. We talked about this in the draft, but she is a Spotify, she's a TikTok song in the summer artist. And she has a song or two that are like crossword puzzle based. And so she's supposed to be good at spelling and letter puzzles and things, which made me expect her to get it in this moment. Uh, She obviously does not. Austin gets it, though. He he cracks the code and it tells him where to dig. But he does not go to dig. Okay, so he's a step closer, but he has not officially acquired it yet. Yeah, I will say that on TikTok, I posted the photo of Austin's advantage from last week and basically asked our fans, can you figure out what this half sentence says without the other piece of the puzzle? And someone got it right. So I knew going into the episode that it said, dig in the fallen palm tree X. That's awesome. You should should find out who they are and we can shout them out. So that's Austin's update. Uh, There's also a new alliance at Reba, a four-person alliance of Julie... Drew, Austin, and D. I want to call this alliance Drew's Kingdom. What are your thoughts? Let's call it um, Drew's Aspirational Kingdom because <laughs> Drew 
wants to be King Drew, or is it King Basile, right? Which which version of Drew is the king? Yeah, maybe it's King Drew and Dictator Basile, depending on uh, the type of leader he is. We get this back-to-back moment where, what what's the lawyer's name? I'm sorry, I these people uh, Julie. have so little. Julie. Uh, Lulu is so bad that I haven't learned the names on the other tribes completely yet. Um, <laughs> Julie sees a lot of her son in Drew and wants to be somebody and she basically says she wants to be there for him and wants to lure him in but is not like wanting to carry him to the end right she wants him to trust her and then she'll be willing to flip later on which is great from her point of view and then we get immediately afterwards Drew saying I want to be the king so my hope for this is that Drew is uh, kind of the Joffrey to her Cersei. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> and and uh, it's been a while since I've seen Game of Thrones, but I don't think either of them end happy, but I hopefully Cersei goes further than Joffrey. But it's an odd part of the episode because Julie is technically the first person to start this alliance. She approaches Drew to right. make that connection. And names most of the other names. Yeah, but then there's a shift and the edit wants you to think that this is all Drew's plan. So yeah. I know you might not be the biggest Basile fan, but I think this is a sign that he might be going on a run this season. I also want to mention that in the premiere, they had a little snippet of someone making fire that was immediately followed by a Drew confessional. So I think Drew is officially uh. on watch for Final Four fire-making loser. I'd be fine with that as long as... The word loser is in there. I, I'm not oh, a fan man. of his. <laughs> I mean, I, I just don't like his vibe. There's absolutely no humility to him. His vibe and, is growing on me. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. There is one other thing in Reba before we move on. We do get a Dan Schneider moment. I feel like we have to touch on it just briefly. Of course. Uh, is it? I think it's D. Yeah. Is talking about how her... She her big toe is way longer than the rest of her feet. And we get so many shots of her feet. She starts pinching people with her toes, which is pretty funny. And then she says, and this is foreshadowing to the challenge, that she's going to do great in a balance challenge because she has these massive toes. Uh that's it. Yeah, uh not something <laughs> I expected on this season. I think there's a chance that there's a showman's here between Austin and Dee. They they flirt a little bit over the toe comments in in the shelter because there is a showmance. Jeff has confirmed there is one in the season. Oh really? Okay, that that's my official pick then for the, for the showmance. I can't see another showmance in the other two tribes. Well, probably not in Bello, and no one from Lulu will be around long it, enough. It's got to be a Reba. Yeah, it, it's got to be in Reba for sure. Last question I want to ask you with the Reba tribe is. With that four-person alliance, two people are on the outside, Jay, Maya, and Sifu. We agree that Sifu's the target? Oh, yeah. Sifu's going first, for sure. Okay. I- I'm with you on that, especially with Lulu shitting the bed in challenges. I think you can afford to lose Sifu and be totally fine moving forward. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. To hop over to Lulu, if you're ready. Yeah, back to the pits of hell. Let's go. Uh, so <laughs> we start with some tension between... Uh, Emily and Sabaya, I have a couple quotes here from, and this is actually before the intro, I think. 
Um, so we jumped around a bit. Basically, after Tribal, Emily claims that she's being gaslit into thinking that she's like been very mean to everybody else. Uh, and I think this is when Sabaya says tact is a thing because Emily has just had absolutely no tact and they kind of, they're kind of not getting along and Sabaya walks off and Emily literally says, I didn't know she was so sensitive. And it's just a brutal moment where she still can't read a room at all. And it's basically agreed. She's the target started the next day. She is on the idol hunt. She knows she can't pick up on other people's like emotional states, but she can pick up on when she is in trouble. Yeah, she has solid strategic reads. I love that moment where Emily and Sabaya get into an argument. Did we see a single feud in all of 44? I don't think so. Like Danny and Carolyn had some disagreements, but they never confronted each other in person. Like this cast feels a little bit more chaotic and I like watching some of these personalities clash. Yeah, I mean, it. I think this is another thing where I have kind of a recency bias where coming from Survivor China, I'm used to the intro. I'm used to personality clashes. But when you compare this to 44, it has a lot of those elements of the old school Survivor that are more welcome. Conflicting personalities. That, that's a good thing for the show. It's good and bad. I think it makes entertaining television, but it also makes the voting dynamics more obvious when two people are clearly at odds. That's true. Emily starts idol hunting and they agree to essentially do a tribal idol hunt and send someone to babysit her. Sabaya goes to her and says, we're, d we're doing this as a tribe and we're doing this to include you. I'm here to include you in this event as a tribe. Great way to put it. See, I think this was a bad move. What? How? Sabaya and Emily just got into an argument the night before. If you want to operate on the buddy system idol search, why not send Brandon or Caleb or Sean to go watch over her? Like, Sabaya is the last person that you should send over there. I almost got the sense that Sabaya was just the one who found her. Oh, okay. And was the one who ended up next to her. Yeah. Because, because it seems like the groups ebb and flow, because when Brandon does find the advantage, Sabaya's right there. I guess in some ways, Sabaya benefits from Emily telling her off. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think they keep an eye on Emily, and then, spoiler alert, Brandon finds an advantage, or it finds the start of another beware advantage. And he gives it to Sabaya. He does not want to give up his vote. Is this ever a good move? So I have a lot of opinions on this because I don't think that you should always open a beware advantage. I understand that there's a temptation there to try to acquire that idol at any cost possible, right? Right. But if you're in Brandon's position, you know you're on the bottom. And... He sees this as an opportunity to gain favor with Sabaya and weasel his way into that majority group of Sabaya, Caleb, Sean. Right. It completely fails. And he's never a member of that trio, even after showing this to Sabaya. So I think it proves that Brandon was so far on the outs. And I think you reach a point where you are so excluded from the majority group that it's not even worth it to try to cater to them. And that's kind of what Emily was doing. Emily realized that she was in a position 
where she needed to compete on an individual level. Find the uh, advantage for yourself. Acquire the idol for yourself. Brandon doesn't have that same game awareness. Right. It's even more frustrating when he later sacrifices his vote in the episode immediately after giving this to Sabaya. <laughs> yeah, he was scared to do it once. It's a tough thing to see. Um, Sabaya gets close. She figures out kind of the general area. She knows it's in a tree, but does not find it yet. Wait, what did you think, though? Did you think this was a mistake by Brandon giving it to Sabaya to gain favor? It, it wasn't a great move especially when juxtaposed with Party Rock Island. Had he passed on both, it would be a very different situation that, than him giving up one um, and not the other. Because the fact that he doesn't take the first risk where he's in an alliance, they all help her. He literally helps Sabaya do it. Yeah, he serves as her ladder. He literally says, I have scoliosis. Please don't dance on my back, which uh, dude must have bad scoliosis for that to be a concern. I have a little bit of scoliosis, so I can say that. <laughs> Shout out to my fellow incorrect spine friends. <laughs> As the episode go went on, I started to feel like, and especially feel this in hindsight, this almost felt like production beating the ever-living shit out of the super fan on Survivor, it felt like the anti-Carson. Carson knows the game, did all this preparation, got in physical shape, did all his 3D printing. Brandon loves the game. His love for the game is so palpable. And nothing else works for him. It's such a brutal yin-yang, but as the episode goes on, every single thing that could go Brandon's way just does not. He fails in everything that he attempts for his entire run on this season. He does not do one thing correctly. And it's devastating. Yeah, it's tough because as a viewer, I'm rooting for him. I think if you're a massive fan of Survivor, you can see some of yourself in Brandon. Yeah. It's nice to watch someone that cares so deeply about the show, but I would also question if Brandon loves the show this much, he should have prepared more for it. He had more intel than anyone else on that island. He could have practiced the puzzles. He could have gotten in better physical shape. And he didn't do any of it. It gets to the point where the only thing that he can really offer his tribe is his kindness. And you don't need to be a fan of survivors to offer that. Yeah. So, I mean, we've got plenty of more opportunities in this episode to destroy him. Emily, in her desperation, makes some pleas to Caleb. And we get a combination of things here. Caleb essentially starts giving her advice. And I really like his read on the situation, which is Emily's desperate. I can get her to do what I want and dump her later on just by giving her a little bit of friendly advice on how to be nicer. I like this from him, but then it felt like the edit went from I don't think there was a change in the color grading, right? But if previously, this this is going to be an extreme example. If previously, whenever Emily was talking about something, it was like a thriller courtroom, very cold lighting. Uh, she's just attacking Bruce and attacking Sophia and attacking Caleb and attacking Brandon. 
all of a sudden the light gets softer and there's like harp music and <laughs> all of a sudden we feel kind of bad for Emily because she can't read people. We get her saying things like, let me find it in my notes here. I'm discovering these people are not stocks. It, her essentially realizing I can't treat people like um, objects in the game. And it makes it seem like she's having this redemptive moment as a character when she's really learning in episode two what she should have known three weeks before the game started. So how did you feel? That was a long ramble. How did you feel about Caleb on this? So a good move by Caleb. If he wants to vote out Emily, it's always a good idea to make your target feel comfortable. And if he wants to keep Emily, that's a potential number in his pocket down the line. So I'm impressed by Caleb. You might remember in the draft, I said that I was torn between Caleb and Brandon for my second round pick, and I took uh, Brandon. So I'm 0 for 2 right now, where in season 44, I took Matt Blankenship over Jam Jam. So next season, I'm going to go against my gut for all my decisions. But impressive move by Caleb there. Now let's talk about Emily, where I completely agree with you. I don't understand this massive shift in tone regarding Emily's character. Yeah, It's episode 2. If this happened, let's say, final seven of the season, at that point, Emily would have been on this long journey where she comes to realize that she needs to play a more personal game and not a purely numerical strategic one. Right. Then that makes sense. She's been out there for a while. She's had time to really think about it. It's only been a couple days for Emily. And I kind of doubt that she's learned this lesson that quickly. Yeah. And I expect in future episodes that she's going to revert back to her... Uh, previous way of thinking and we're going to get this constant dichotomy of in some moments Emily attempting to be kind to others and in others just completely oversharing and overplaying her hand yeah it, it's kind of like a Jekyll and Hyde where uh, the Jekyll is being coached by Caleb on how to be nice and the Hyde is somebody who views people as stocks and just doesn't pull a single punch at any moment and Caleb said to start the season that he wants to be the villain. And here he is coaching the villain to be a better person. So I would love to see Caleb's villain turn where he thinks, ooh, I'm being so evil, be that he coaches Emily. And just as she's starting to understand empathy and kind of get in touch with her emotional state, he gets her voted off. <laughs> oh, no. I think maybe Emily could serve as Caleb's like dragon where all of the villainous moves that he wants to make but doesn't want the social backlash for, he can make through Emily down the line because she doesn't have any other allies in Lulu. Uh, the Bellow members hate her because she called out Bruce. So it's a potential uh, route for Caleb moving forward. Shall we talk about Party Rock Island? Yeah, it's back. Were you excited to see the return of Party Rock? <laughs> My initial reaction when I saw... When they get on the boat, I was like, oh, God, not again. Because last time I just wasn't... I mean, I know you hated it last time. I wasn't crazy about it, even with my limited knowledge. Especially given the people who go. I'm not, cra <laughs> I'm not crazy about... It happened so fast and there weren't a ton of conversations around how people were chosen. But it seemed like basically Bruce hops on the boat. Yeah, Bruce wins a rock-paper-scissors competition. Bruce wins rock-paper-scissors, which is a pretty good way to decide it when it comes down to it. 
Brandon goes because they don't want Emily to go, basically. Yeah. I don't really that that's pretty much it. And I Drew, I assume, said, I go to Penn, and so I get to go first. Drew also won rock, paper, scissors. The only tribe that was not random was Lulu because they're just a disaster. So I want to talk a little bit about the collection of players that go on the Party Rock Island uh, adventure. So we've already talked about Brandon, Drew, Bruce. And I think during the draft of the season, you made some comment about Brandon, Drew, and Brando all making the merge and working together as the nerdy guys. And we almost had that here. We were one player away. Instead, we got Bruce, which I don't think was a terrible pick. But I, as the contestants were getting selected for this trip, I was getting excited. Uh, we were only missing one piece. And probably my favorite piece of the three, I really like Brando. Yeah, I like Brando too. I think he's he's been, and it's kind of the bellow curse for winning is or at least doing well is i don't know anything about him except he has a small enough frame to fit a ball <laughs> around his torso yeah not a whole lot of networking drew says something like he wants to network with these other two players and then they basically just kind of complain about emily and that's it yeah it seems like brandon actually gives away some information that Emily's on the bottom and they plan to target her. Bruce doesn't let up any information. He is a stereotypical old school survivor player. He aligns with Bello. He's going to want to go into the merge and work with Bello. Bruce has not given me anything up until this point to say that he's a more dynamic uh, player. So I was not surprised that Bruce uh, kept his cards uh, close to his chest. But let's talk about the actual challenge at Party Rock Island, which differs from 44, where you just go and get free gifts. I do think this is a slightly improved version. It feels very production-infused still to me. We can talk about my full thoughts on it later. But essentially, the way it works is that players have the opportunity to compete in a mini-challenge where they match tile pieces and open a box with a combination of numbers in under three minutes. If they can accomplish that, they will get some mystery advantage. They don't know what. And if they fail, they will lose their vote at the upcoming tribal council. So you're only risking one vote uh, here, which is better, I think. I don't like the idea of losing your vote at all, especially in a three-tribe format where your vote statistically has more value. But at least it's only for one tribal council instead of, like, multiple rounds, which happened to Matt Blankenship, if you remember. So what did you think about this twist as a whole? I didn't like that there was a twist in episode two. We haven't had a vote, and we're getting a twist. Yeah. Like, it's so <laughs> early. Uh, I liked that at least there was a challenge. I liked that they were gambling at least a little bit for a pretty good advantage. I mean, well, I want to hear your thoughts on the actual reward that uh we see here in a bit but i liked it i thought the challenge itself looked really damn easy i thought so too i think brandon literally says going in he's like it, i have to be good at this this is my thing he has said i can't do physical challenges i have to be good at puzzles and he fails obviously and says quote this is my low point Really? I think there's multiple other points in the season that you could describe as Brandon's low it's point. It's hard to find the high. 
actually. I think the ladder might have been the high point. You have the ladder, the passing out, serving as Sabaya's ladder, and this, <laughs> all low points. Before we get to the uh, outcome, I want to talk about the decision. You don't have to play. If you lose, you lose a vote, and if you win, you get an advantage. Bruce does not play. Drew plays and wins. Brandon plays and loses. Uh, how do you feel about everybody's decision to play or not? So I think it depends on your situation, right? I think if you're within a majority alliance in your tribe, then it's worth taking that risk. Because if you do succeed and you keep your vote and you get in the advantage, you can go back and say that you just didn't play and no one will know. That's the ideal scenario. If you're on the bottom or you're not sure of the alliance dynamics yet, as is the case with Brandon, where he is so clearly yeah. on the bottom, then I don't think it's really worth playing. From Brandon's perspective, he should know that based on the text that was given there, if he wins, he's not getting an item. Right. He's getting some sort of advantage. So maybe that could be like a vote steal that gives him the numbers, but I don't think there's any advantage that Brandon could get that would save him long-term in this right. tribe. Like, even if he got the one that Drew ends up earning, if he played that at Tribal Council, no one would trust him afterwards. Yeah, the only thing that is getting Brandon out of his current hole is better play. Because what the argument comes down to down the line is, we can trust him for a long time, but we're not going to win with him. And he So he has to prove that he can win a challenge, and he just can't do that. But so on that spectrum of majority alliance, you can get that away with it. Drew is in that with his kingdom. Yeah. I think Drew makes the uh, right decision. Bruce is kind of in the middle, and I think he makes a good decision by not because he's in an alliance, but the numbers are probably not in his favor, but it's close. Yeah. It's tough to tell. So I, I respect not playing and holding on to your vote. And then Brandon, once again, doesn't make a great choice, but I think there's also an element for Brandon here of he's a super fan, and I think he knows there's not a lot of challenges left in his survivor career. That's fair. Yeah, you want to have your moment. And unfortunately, yet again, he falls short, and uh, when he is on the boat back, somebody on the beach says, oh, that looks like he had a win. There's no way they thought that. If they said that out loud, they were doing it to be nice. Nobody on that Lulu beach thought Brandon won something. Part of the reason why they sent him there, I think it's because they know Brandon can't win shit. They know that we could send Brandon to Party Rock Island. If there's any sort of task that he needs to complete, he's not going to win it anyway. Yeah. Or he's going to come back with something and give it to Sabaya. Uh, but... <laughs> but Drew wins, and the advantage he wins is safety without power. So talk to me about this idol. So last time that I remember safety without power being in the game was in Season 40, Survivor Winners at War, where it was actually played successfully. Um, the contestant that plays it correctly identifies that they're the target of the upcoming tribal. And what this advantage does is that it enables you to leave tribal council immune. So you are safe from the vote. But you also cannot vote. So in my opinion, probably a lower tier advantage because if you're sacrificing your vote, chances are 
if you don't go home, someone you trust probably will. Yeah. I think this is a good advantage to include in this stage of the game because we don't want to have anything that's too powerful yet. And it expires at the final 10. So I think there's a legitimate chance that we don't see this idol, this advantage played until the merge or maybe not even played at all. Yeah. And so the aftermath of this little Party Rock Island adventure, Drew goes back, he tells everything to everybody, shows it off, shows off the paper. Bruce tells Jake, I think, or he tells everybody he didn't play. He has a moment with Jake that I want to highlight. Jake has said he's a D&D fan. They're talking, and here's where this this D&D loving Kane became my favorite, where Kane Fitzler, his nerdy references were so in your face. He'd say like, oh, you're like Pikachu from Pokemon. Right, He'd make it very clear what brand he was referencing. In this little interaction between Jake and Bruce, Jake says, dude, you've got like uh, a 25 charisma. That is a very quick D&D reference. Oh, okay. In in D&D, you can have a charisma score. 20 is very good. 25 is insanely good. And Jake just throws it into conversation. You kind of know what he means, not exactly, but it flows and you just move past it. That's a real D&D nerd who doesn't feel like he has to prove it to anybody, and I loved it. I was here for it. <laughs> I thought it was great. Oh, Jake, if you're listening, I, you're my favorite um, Boston player, that's for sure. He's uh, my winner pick for a reason. He has a good strategic read in that conversation, too. He tells Bruce that the Virgo girlies are going to try to target them. And Jake says, they're probably going to go for me. And he's right on both of those fronts. So some impressive play play there by Jake. I want to talk about Drew. We got to talk about Drew from Reba, where he returns to camp and reveals the safety without power advantage. There's this odd moment where he gets back to camp and they're all hiding behind the shelter and they welcome him in and all like rub the top of his head. It seems like Basile is loved on the Reba tribe. He's the prettiest girl at the party there. Yeah, I I hate to say it, but it does seem like you're right. He kills it in this section. He says in confessional that by sharing information on this lower tier advantage, I hope to gain trust with people. And it works out perfectly. Immediately after sharing that information, he has a conversation with Austin where Austin reveals the beware advantage to him. And as, as part of that initial conversation, that initial reveal, he says, I hope to use this for our interests at the merge. It's a great play by Drew, and tell me what you think about this. I'm not very high on safety without power, especially concerning that it expires at final 10. I think that the knowledge of Austin's beware advantage might be more powerful than the advantage that Drew himself holds. I I think you're probably right. So I think Drew is in a great spot. Everything kind of worked out for him there. He's the king of the beach, he has his own advantage, and he knows where the beware advantage is within his own tribe. So. And he's on Reba, so he doesn't have to worry about a vote for another month. The only other thing I have to note before the challenge is when Brandon comes back and he's like, I lost. Sean, I think in um, if this must be in a confessional, asks, what is he good at? I was thinking the same thing. Sean, that was a very fair question by him. Was this a good move by Brandon? 
to share the fact that he lost his vote. I don't think he's capable of subtlety. I don't, like I don't think he could bluff his way out of it. I think he's his best tactic at this point that he thinks he can pull off and you have to believe you can pull off your strategy, right? I think the best strategy he thinks will work is radical honesty and hoping everybody wants to lead with kindness and not strategy, which isn't going to work out for him. Well, what else can he do, though, if he doesn't tell them that he lost his vote and let's say he survives this round, there's going to be a vote missing at tribal council and everyone will know that it's Brandon because he's the only person that's been on this uh, adventure. Like the information's going to leak eventually. It's just a matter of do you want to leak it now or do you want to leak it later? Yeah. But do, do you want to go to challenge? Yeah, let's head to challenge. What did you think about this one, this immunity challenge? So immunity challenge with reward. Uh, first place winner gets a ton of fishing gear, including a flip book of fish. Like there's an actual like how-to guide that they get on how to fish. Oh, I missed that part. Okay. Uh, it's in the pile of fishing gear. Second place gets a, some fishing gear, but not as much. Third place loses their flint. Uh, the Lou losers have never had their flint. So luckily that's just staying warm in Jeff's pocket. The actual challenge is pretty standard modern survivor, swim, climb a platform, grab a key, balance, put together a puzzle. You don't sound too enthusiastic about it. I thought you loved these challenges. Oh boy, I just walked right into your trap, didn't I? <laughs> I'm um, telling you, man, you're coming around to my side eventually. It It is just a shame, and I've this is my third time saying it in this episode alone. Coming straight from China to this, the challenges are just so much lamer. It's still a good challenge. The race is still on, but it is boring. Um, it's especially boring when it is so clear who is so bad and and that the challenge is over. Honestly, it's not even worth talking about the challenge because it is such a blowout. I am shocked. I never thought I'd hear this. This is music to my ears. You wanting to skip over the challenge? Caleb says, uh, I think Caleb says this after the challenge, but it's appropriate to bring up now. This tribe is like the calves when LeBron left the first time. Yep. Um, it's just depressing. They're so bad. And Brandon chokes on the puzzle so badly that he literally is like I'm going to stop and Sabaya says no keep going he is holding two pieces together that should go upright one on top of the other and he's holding one of them sideways and his entire tribe is yelling turn it 90 degrees turn it halfway right and he can't figure it out it is devastating Especially when we know the formula for a successful superfan is really simple. All you got to do is to have a 3D printer. I will say this puzzle is a new one. It's not one seen before on Survivor. So I'll cut Brandon a little bit of slack. A little bit, but at the same time, it feels like he's never done a puzzle before. That's how bad the performance is. And Reba wins. Bello is very close behind the two competent tribes are neck and neck for these challenges. I don't think Lulu gets even close. Couple quotes from Jeff. Lulu should start thinking about who to send to home. That was a good minute left in the challenge. Yeah, 
Well, the question of the challenge becomes who will get first place rather than who is going to tribal council. Put Lulu in the deep freeze is another one from Jeff. It's just devastating, and I have nothing more to say on it. I have a couple things to say on it. Please. This challenge is probably Brandon's worst performance of the season. He had some bad ones earlier. The ladder was bad. Falling on his ass, climbing the uh, wall was bad. This is the absolute worst because the spotlight is on him. You can't put him in the water swimming element of the challenge because he couldn't get up the ladder. We can't trust him to do the physical component. This is his opportunity to prove his value to the tribe. And when he lost this, I knew his time on Survivor was over. It was too embarrassing of a loss. If he lost in a close race, I think he would have a shot at sticking around. My question for you is, is Brandon the one holding back this tribe? Will we see Lulu actually be a competitive group in future episodes? Or is Brandon merely the scapegoat? Like they're already worse and Brandon is just pushing them further down. A little bit, but at the same time, It feels like he's never done a puzzle before. That's how bad the performance is. Because Lulu has the lead when the puzzle starts. I mean, they're they're struggling, but they're struggling so badly that it's hard to blame it on one person. And, And maybe it's systemic, right? Brandon's dragged them down and then other factors are starting to play in. They haven't had a fire yet. So at a certain point, you almost have to wonder, could Caleb, John, Sabaya... I haven't noticed anything egregiously bad from Emily in terms of physical play, although she's not as physical of a player. I mean, Caleb and Sabaya have really been highlighted in that regard because of Sweat and Savvy. Could they, without Brandon dragging them down, have been a contender, a contending tribe? Maybe. I think at this point, it's hard to see them coming back because they don't have anybody to sit. They don't have any ex- access to more food, access to warmth or better rest or a- any of the other things that will help you get ready. I don't see a Lulu challenge win barring some egregious failure by another tribe. I think there's a chance that one of the other tribes gets antsy and throws a challenge and that leads to a Lulu win. When you cast a lot of major Survivor fans, They want to play the game. And we can already see that Bello is strategizing. Reba is strategizing. The lines are already forming there. And it could only be a matter of time until somebody says, I want to make a move and get somebody out of here. So we'll see. Maybe a tribe attempting to throw the challenge could still beat Lulu, though, if they're that bad. Shall we move on? Yeah, let's head to Lulu. Oh, before we get to Lulu. No. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are just joining us and you did not uh, join us on our journey through the past and out to China, one of the recurring themes on China was that there's a lot of nature, a lot of nature cinematography. And welcome back to my favorite segment on Survivor Analytics. It's animal shots. I hate this. (laughs) Because we get back-to-back animal shots at the start of this segment, and they're very symbolic. Do you remember them, Clyde? Of course not. I remember the actual important details of the episode. When first we have, and this sets us up for the discussion here, we have a school of fish helplessly drifting through the clear Fijian water. 
And then we have a fishing bird flying through the sky waiting to pounce. And I think it's pretty clear the fishing bird is Sean, Caleb, and Sabaya trying to decide Emily or Brandon. Which hapless fish do we swoop down and take out? And why is it obviously Brandon? That concludes Animal Shots for this episode. It's a pretty accurate description of the tribe. That trio is locked in and solid. Even though yeah. Brandon gave Sabaya the beware advantage, that group of three squads up and Sabaya gets the advantage without Brandon. They don't include him. And it's totally understandable because even though he, they can trust him, and they say in this segment multiple times, Sabaya says, we can trust him. And I think she believes that. I mean, it's hard to want to include somebody who has led you to fail multiple times. There's definitely some bitterness there. Uh, when Sabaya acquires the advantage, she doesn't have the full-fledged thing. It's in a candle that needs oh, uh, fire so to melt away. They don't have fire yet. They still don't have it five days in. It's one of the best moments of the season so far is Sabaya's realization that in order for her to get this and have a vote at Tribal... They'll need to win a challenge or start a fire. If they could start a fire elsewhere, uh, we do get a, a shot in this episode of Brandon trying to start one with his glasses, which is pretty funny. That's probably your best bet to start one without Flint, right? Yeah, maybe they should have taken Brandon's glasses like they took Emily's shot in the dark. Oh, could they have done that? <laughs> could they have asked Brandon, give me your glasses and you can stay? What's worse than Brandon in challenges? A blind Brandon in challenges. Maybe it would help. Give him one of the simpler parts where all he has to do is run in a straight line and hit something. That is the theory that he has the wrong prescription, and that's what's leading to these terrible performances. We talked about this a little bit. How do you feel about Emily giving them her shot in the dark? She gives it to Sabaya. I think it's a good move by Emily. She correctly identifies that it's either her or Brandon going home. Yeah. And... If she wanted to, she could hold on to her shot in the dark and play it if she believes that she's the target. But there's risk with that, right? There's only a one out of six chance that it hits. So if she's the target of that vote, more often than not, Emily goes home anyway. Right. So I think giving away your shot in the dark as a symbol of trust is the factor that allows Emily to stay alive in this episode. I think if she doesn't do that, then she's probably going home. I also thought that if Brandon never told the tribe that he lost his vote, he could give Sabaya his shot in the dark because he's not allowed to play it anyway. Right. Which is a weird rule. I thought you could still play your shot in the dark even when you can't vote, but I guess not. Another rule that I'm not sure of that I want to look up at some point is, can Sabaya play Emily's shot in the dark or can only Emily play that? I would assume it's, oh, you get one. Right. You only get one. You can't be passing shot in the darks. If I wanted to, could I accumulate like three shot in the darks and play them all in one tribal council? <laughs> but overall, good move by Emily. Probably her best move of the season, giving away her shot in the dark. Good move by Emily. Caleb is thrilled because his mentorship is paying off. Uh, Sabaya has a ton of influence, even without a vote. She's in a great spot. And that's all I've got before tribal. Yep. Major shout out to Sabaya, your first round draft pick. It seems like she is the central figure of this Lulu tribe. Yeah. I don't know what it really says to be the head of a bunch of losers, but you're still the head regardless, right? We can head to tribal council where we meet a new side of Brandon. He is no longer Brandon, the content producer 
or Brandon the Survivor superfan. He is now Brandon the Water Boy. My first note from Tribal is that Jeff looks unhappy to have these losers back. He better get used to it. <laughs> yeah. Like... Jeff created these tribes. This is his own doing. He should not be mad that they're coming back to Tribal when he's the one that put them together. Brandon's claim to his team is that so far he has been unlucky on the type of challenges. He's like, these have just been not my skill set. You know, moving or doing puzzles, the two things you do in challenges. And trust me, the next one will hit and I'll be great. And you can trust me. I'm a great presence around camp. You all love me. We all get along so well. And Jeff says when he was in junior high, he was so bad at basketball that they let him be the water boy because even though he sucked at the game, he was a great presence to have around. It's not a compliment to say, hey, Brandon, you're the water boy. It almost felt like Jeff was saying, get this guy out of here. I'm not going to help him. I'm not going to give him any <laughs> chance. Like, I'm going to say you shouldn't be on the team either. They go into this tribal council and announce from the beginning that it's either Brandon or Emily going home. And Jeff never makes a comment like this to Emily. He's pretty clearly <laughs> swaying the tribe in the direction of voting out Brandon. Yeah, he is. I mean, it it feels like, and it, part of this is just the events of the episode, and part of it is the edit, but Emily gets this kind of rehabilitation of she's learning that people aren't stocks, and and Caleb's coaching her into how to be a more empathetic player. And Brandon, the super fan, is swinging and missing at every ball that remotely comes his way. And he's missing and doing a cartoon spin and falling in the dirt. And now he's the water boy. I was convinced Brandon was gone before a single marker hit a vote. I was the same way. It didn't make a difference for me as both Brandon and Emily were on my fantasy team. So I knew going into tribal council, I was just screwed either way, <laughs> which is not Man. a great feeling. I don't know if you've had that happen before in fantasy, but it is not the best. On a personal level, I was rooting for Brandon to stick around just because he is that massive Survivor fan. But deep down, I knew that his time on Survivor was over. You can't overcome being that bad at challenges. And can I say the final vote? Uh, yeah, I didn't catch it. Was it unanimous? It was a 3-0 vote. Brandon does not have his vote, and Sabaya doesn't have hers either until she can make a fire. So that was the one positive of the episode for me, where in our fantasy league, if you vote incorrectly in a tribal council, you get minus one points. So in the end, it ended up being good for me that Brandon constantly failed and lost his vote. Yeah, because he could have actually lost you more points. Oh, we got to see the voting booth. It's in a, it's in a treehouse. That's nice. Yeah, no birds. We were wrong on that prediction. Uh, yeah, it's the theme of this season is still not clear. Although there was a big glowing crystal thing in the voting booth, so maybe it is vibes. Maybe this is the astrology season. So Brandon's going home. Any final thoughts on Brandon? Where you sad to see him go? What's the what's the lesson with Brandon? I guess. Uh, the lesson is if you're going to be a super fan, do your homework. It's one thing to come on the show and say, yeah, I like Survivor and not know exactly what you're getting into. 
but to portray yourself as a super fan, and I think he is. I'm not, I don't want to question that at all because his passion is palpable. When he is voted out, he reaches and grabs Jeff's shoulder just to feel Jeff one more time before he <laughs> leaves. I mean, it's a sad departure, but at the same time, I didn't get the sense that he had done anything to get ready for this. That's a damn shame to see someone with so much fire that they never directed at anything. My lesson from Brandon is that survivor knowledge does not always equate to survivor success. I used to think it was a linear relationship where the more you knew, the more you would succeed on the show. Yeah. I now think you reach a point where if you know too much about Survivor, it can actually be to your detriment, where you're constantly in your head overthinking everything. Right. I actually compared Brandon to another person in his archetype, Jacob Derwin, who competed on a more recent season that's pretty bad. It's one that we won't watch for a while. Yeah. But Jacob Derwin was exactly the same as Brandon, someone that came on the show, knew the history of it inside out, had this incredible passion, and is the second person voted off the island. Was this the guy you tagged in our Instagram story? Yeah. Because you tagged both of them, which was really funny. When I look to drafts in the future for fantasy, I'm not going purely strategic and I'm not going purely heart anymore because my heart really wanted Brandon to win. Can you imagine if Brandon won? That would be adorable. Oh, it would be, uh, it would be so beautiful. It's not meant to be. And I don't think Brandon's ever coming back. <laughs> I think we agree that he's not going to get the invite. I feel bad for him because as such a big fan, I I feel like he's going to get some hate from the community, um, potentially just for such a lackluster performance. Yes, he didn't do well. He doesn't deserve to get a ton of shit for it because I think he's got, I mean, he talks a lot in the first episode. He's got physical issues. He's got mental health issues. I think he would say, I could have done better, but hopefully this doesn't like, turn him off of the show like he hopefully he didn't become the super fan make it on the show and then have such a bad performance that he never goes back and he has a positive attitude throughout i give him a lot of credit for remaining optimistic when literally everything goes against him he walks out smiling i would struggle to have that same attitude after failing so many times on the show oh for sure do you have an epitaph or are we starting those after the merge? Epitaph start post-merge. I've got it. two questions for you. Well, really just one question before we go to winners and losers. Is there any chance that Emily survives the next Lulu Tribal Council or is she done? Well, well, the next time on has Sabaya targeting Caleb. So it could go Caleb and then Emily. Do we believe that though? I feel like production might just be creating drama amidst the Lulu Tribe. Otherwise... That episode would be a snooze fest of Lulu loses, as we all expect, and Emily gets voted out because she's number four out of four. It could honestly be them hyping up a fake out where Sabaya tells Emily, hey, we're going Caleb, and then goes to Caleb and says, we're actually going Emily. I think that's um, the most likely outcome. But I, I think Emily's probably gone uh, to foreshadow she is my loser. Other thing to throw out is in the next time on Survivor, there's a clip of Jake O'Kane passing Collapsing. Out. Collapsing. So in that one episode, I lost Brandon. Emily's on the bottom, probably getting voted out. And my third player on my fantasy team, Jake, uh, could be medically evacuated. So I'm mentally preparing to come in last place. 
this year in fantasy. I mean, I think I'm going to be right there with you. I think we're a point or two apart right now, but we'll see. You hit it at your winner, though. Why you're a loser? Why is Emily your loser? She's in the worst spot on the worst drive. It's hard to see anybody on Reba or Bello as a even a candidate for losership. Uh, Sabaya's got an idol if they can figure out how to light a fire. Sean's in a great spot because we never see or hear from him, which is unfortunate because um, I think he's got a great presence. He's on my tribe, I think. He's on your fantasy team, and he's your winner pick. Oh, right. I keep forgetting that. And Caleb, I think, is in a good spot regardless of the next time on. I agree with you. And I don't buy the edit for one second. She is not all of a sudden this magical hero. She's still kind of mean and swinging too hard. And I think the first sign of adversity, she will snap back to that instinct. I also have Emily as the loser. Uh, second week in a row for me. Both of us. Emily has gotten the loser four out of four times so far this season. That's got to be a record. Eh, I would need to go back and check the history books. She's definitely the first player to get back-to-back unanimous losers. Probably. I don't think that's ever happened before. Yeah, because you would never hop on the Shambo loser bandwagon because you were young and naive. I feel bad, though, for Emily because on the surface, she's kind of a winner in this episode. We expected her to go home after last week. So the fact that she survived this one in itself is a win, but her outlook moving forward is just so bad. I could see Emily surviving if there's a tribe swap, and I think that's really her only hope right now. There is an element, too, of Emily's growth being a potential winner story emily got asked a question well not asked she demanded to respond on the mat episode one she spoke on the mat she spoke on the mat which we've seen from every new era winner she has this character arc that really no one else on 45 has right now yep maybe this edit is moving towards an emily win which i would be surprised by but i'm all in favor for it because i'll get a lot of points for it yeah fair enough who's your winner it's your favorite contestant on the cast. It's Basile. Drew Ugh. has a masterful episode, and there's really no denying it. He acquires the yeah. advantage, he gains trust with his tribe, and he gets intels on Austin's beware advantage. I think you can make the argument that Drew is the best positioned player on this entire cast. The only thing I would say to counter that is in the next time on, he gets caught digging because Austin told it, showed him the clue. And I don't take the next time ons too seriously in my winner loser analysis because that's all just editing BS to hype you yeah. up for the next week. They could easily show a clip of Drew, him searching for the idol, and then play audio from someone else uh, realizing something. So, fair. I, I can't take that information too seriously, but I understand you have a vendetta against Basile. But at the same time, it's a fair winner pick. He's got the idol, he read. Or he's got the advantage. He read Party Rock Island exactly right. He's on the winning tribe again. He's got an alliance. He's looking great. Uh, my winner is Brando. Oh. Uh, I really like somebody who, and this is kind of a Carson school of thought. He's sitting. He's playing both sides. He's he's close with Jake and Bruce. He's close with the uh, the Virgo girlies. I think he's just sitting well in that tribe, and I don't see his name being written down for quite some time. 
where Drew, I think, does risk playing a little too big. I tend in my um, my preferences for winners and losers, I tend to favor central players who make deliberate choices where a lot of Sean's stuff, for example, has been very quiet. Brando says outright to the camera, I'm keeping my options open. So we know he's doing it intentionally, but he's also not doing a ton about it at this stage. I like that he's playing a little more reserved, um, so he's my winner. I considered Brando. The difficult part is that he's not the only person in the middle. Kelly's in the middle there with him. So that's probably on me as well, because frankly, I completely forgot who Kelly was. (laughs) She's the only Armenian on the cast. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, I can't even picture her because she gets so little time in the edit. Yeah, well, all of the non-Lulu players are kind of in that same boat. Quick dishonorable mention, an unserious one to myself. I think my fantasy (laughs) team is headed to straight disaster. Yeah. I'm fortunate that Hannah quit episode one because if not for Hannah, I think there's a realistic shot that... Emily would go. That Emily would go, then Brandon, then Kane too. I'm just hoping that one of my contestants makes it to the merge. And I don't feel great about that. (laughs) I I was going to say the other way that you're fortunate right now is uh, that your sister set the bar so low for failing in this league. Yeah. Last year with two medevacs. One medevac, but the first three boots of the season. First three boots of the season. You've beaten that. It will be the second worst performance at worst in uh, our Survivor Fantasy League's history, but... Uh, but a serious dishonorable mention to Bruce. I think he's the only contestant right now with a clear nemesis. Emily has people that dislike her, but I already gave her the loser. Bruce is the only other person that has other contestants talking behind his back in a negative way. Um, Katura does not like him. <laughs> and I think she will campaign against him with the Virgo girlies. Katura has an it factor where I think she could do pretty much anything she sets her mind on and if she decides Bruce is gone I think Bruce will be gone I also respect Katura as a player because she's annoyed by Bruce but she doesn't tell anyone other than the audience so she's smart in how she's going about uh those dynamics right now who's your honorable mention uh Jake O'Kane literally for his D&D reference uh (laughs) because that was just small enough that I enjoyed it, but it, it it was great. It was subtle. It was fun. I didn't catch that. I think, is it Jake? No, it's Drew makes a past Survivor season reference that I caught that you probably didn't. I heard him say it. He said, you could be uh, the JT to my Steven, and we'll meet the two of them at some point down the line. See, I heard that, and I went, oh, it, it was like seeing a map written in Arabic and being like, oh, okay, I can guess what part of the planet this is on, but <laughs> I don't know what it means. But that's how I felt with the Jake O'Kane comment. I didn't even notice that he mentioned the 25 charisma thing. Yeah, it, it was so subtle. I really appreciated it. So shout out to Jake. Hopefully he doesn't actually pass out and uh, get medevaced or anything. Maybe he passes out and it's a motivational story where he makes it to the final tribal council and then he says back in episode three i passed out over the fire and you all thought i was gonna get medically evacuated fingers crossed fingers crossed because i he's one of my favorite presences on this um middling season 
That's about everything, though. That's all I've got, and uh, let's call it there because I have to head up to the land of Jake O'Kane uh, very shortly, so I've got to go to bed. But- oh, you guys should hang out. Yeah, I'll, I'll thread at him. Thanks for listening to Survivor Analytics. Catch us on all of the legitimate social media platforms like Instagram and TikTok. Jack runs the threads, and I told him that I don't think we're going to hit 100 followers by the end of the year because I'm down on threads. And you're probably right because I think we're at like six. Yeah, what happens first? We get to 50 followers on threads or Lulu wins a challenge. Oh, I don't think either will happen. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Thanks for listening. You'll catch us next time.